I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. friends and welcome back to the Sacktown Royalty Show. I am your host Tony Zipteris and joining me on the podcast this week to give us some perspective on what the Phoenix Suns are thinking heading into the 2018 NBA Draft, managing editor of SB Nation's Phoenix Sun site, Bright Side of the Sun, Dave King. Dave, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. How are things in Arizona? Yeah, things are great. We're getting up to, I think, uh, the temperature in the last two days was between 105 and 110 degrees. Uh, it's, it's, it's toasty. It's cooking out here. That's for sure. See, I would take that because, uh, as I mentioned to you before I hit record, um, I am in Boston and even though we're into June, it was like 50 and rainy today. So I would gladly take, I mean, I've never been to Arizona. I know the heat is, is serious, but I think I would take like a couple 100 days over this. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, um, everybody has their opinions. I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I know all about the too much humidity, not quite warm enough until it's way too warm and, and all that. And then the, then the, the humidity just makes it ugly and, and gross. Whereas out here, it is literally a dry heat. It really is. Um, it's just, it's like sticking your face in the oven when you're cooking your turkey dinner or something like that. But you also have air conditioning, just like with the oven, you can close it off, you know? Uh, so, <laughs> um, so I'm good with it. And you know, I, what I always tell people is the worst possible weather we have requires everybody to wear t-shirts and shorts. So that's not bad. There's worse. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, (laughs) I have some specific questions I'd like to get to later on, but first just based on what you've seen out there from NBA insiders, you trust or what you've heard yourself. uh, What are the Phoenix suns thinking right now with the number one overall pick now that we're just a few weeks away from the NBA draft. See, this is really interesting. Um, So the, like the league executives and people like that, from what I hear, I, I don't have a lot of insight and in, uh, contacts with league executives on other teams. Uh, but from what I hear of people with the Suns, <clears throat> excuse me, is that every league executive thinks the Suns are going to take Aiden and would think they're ridiculous to not if they didn't. Um, every basketball purist who isn't a league executive and just watches film and and looks at today's game and watches the conference finals with nobody over seven feet tall making a big difference. Uh, they're all over Luka Doncic and saying he's the future of the NBA. He's the present. He's the future. And and a guy like DeAndre Ayton is the past. Um, so it's it's really interesting when you've got guys who are paid to make these decisions. You ask them and they're like, you can't possibly pass on DeAndre Ayton. If you ask guys who are not paid to make these decisions, but they they live and breathe and eat and, and drink basketball, they want Doncic. And so it's it's but both players have major flaws. Um, and it's just a matter of will their strengths outweigh those flaws? Like, for example, you guys had DeMarcus Cousins for a long time. Uh, he great rebounder, great scorer, did not put out a lot of effort defensively and had attitude problems um, on and off the court. You know, not not major ones. He never got in trouble. But, you know, he, he didn't have a, a ton of uh, people loving who he was as a player. Um, you've got, with DeAndre Ayton, you have 
three of those four same aspects. He's going to score a lot. He's going to rebound a lot. He's not going to play good defense. He reportedly has a great attitude, uh, very coachable and all that positive fun, everything like that. So is that the guy you want? Do you want basically DeMarcus cousins with a, a really good team oriented attitude? Or do you want the, like the future scorer of the NBA who can score pass basically a Ben Simmons type Alonzo ball type um, who won't be able to play much defense in the NBA. Uh, both Aiden and Doncic will have the same problem, uh, which will be guarding anybody outside the the paint area um, effectively. So it's just wonder. It's just a question of who do you really want? So uh, I really do think there's like a 99% chance the Suns will take Aiden, but there is that 1% chance they decide to step outside the box and go with who all the uh, stat mavens and, and film mavens think you should take if you're not going to lose your job over it. Yeah, as someone outside of Phoenix, you know, you can only follow a team so closely. That's why it's awesome to have guys like yourself on who really are in this every single day, um, all day. Uh, and we're, you're kind of seeing, like like you were saying, all the mock drafts have eight and number one. Uh, most of the insiders seem pretty locked that it seems like Aiton's the guy there. Um, but I know you've been covering the Suns for a long time. You know the roster as well as anybody. The Suns may be leaning towards Aiton right now, but for you, do you think that's the right call? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I do. A lot of my cohorts in uh, Suns uh, blogging realm and, and podcasting realm thinks it think it definitely Doncic would fit best. Uh, but I don't agree with that. I think Aiton would be the best fit. You've got the Suns have struggled the last several years with inside scoring consistent scoring inside the paint where it's not a slashing guard so when your best uh scorer at the rim is a six foot one six foot two six foot three guard um and recently devin booker um at six six but still just a slasher if he's going to get to the rim at all you kind of pine for somebody who's who's got good hands around the rim can tap the ball to himself can tap the ball back toward the basket uh, and really isn't shy of contact and all that. That it that's like a drug you want to you want to take. So I, I'm looking forward to eight, and I think they'll they'll create a really good inside outside game and uh, force defenses to gravitate toward the middle as well as to the perimeter. Yeah, I'm not sure the Kings are like the the kind of front office you uh, would want to copy, but for what it's worth, everything we've seen suggests that uh, they would also take Aiton if they had the opportunity to do so. That they would take him over Doncic, but there is. A but lot then of- again, it could be that Doncic becomes the best player in the draft. The scary thing is, it could also be that Jaron Jackson could be the best player in the draft. Mo Bamba could end up being the best player in the draft. Michael Porter could end up being this year's Jason Tatum, which may or may not. I mean, really, Tatum would he go top five this year? Um, and, you know, in, in these, you know, with the, with these prospects, with Lonzo, where would Lonzo Ball go? I think this is a much better draft to have a high pick in. I guess is what I'm saying. So uh, I think we're we're both in great shape. There is a lot of excitement for Luka Doncic in Sacramento right now, and I guess I'm guessing part of that excitement is because the consensus does point towards Suns taking Gaten. So Doncic is kind of the preferred pick by default, and they were kind of one and two all year. Until now, I mean, this happens every well, year. Plus, where... you guys have a lot of bigs, so uh, you and you've had <laughs> bigs for years, and so you're not necessarily pining for somebody who can score um, who's who's six ten or taller? I mean, you've had you had Demarcus Cousins for a long time, whereas the Suns have been struggling since Amari Stoudemire left eight years ago. The Kings have a lot of bigs, but they haven't been doing a whole lot. Uh, and uh, you know, it's <laughs> funny. Uh, 
you know, there's such high hopes for guys like Willie Cauley-Stein and Scott LeBissier. Um, and then I, I don't know if you guys would see this if you're outside of Sacramento, but the, uh, the King social team, which is always fun to see kind of what they're pushing on Kings fans. Uh, <laughs> there is a lot of Harry Giles hype coming out of Sacramento right now for a guy that like has messed up knees. Hopefully he's healthy now. Um, and we're going to finally see him in summer league for the first time. So out of all the, the bigs in Sacramento, I think people are most excited about a guy who hasn't set foot on, on a basketball court. <laughs> That's when you know you've got a really struggling fan base yeah. is when all the excitement is for the guy who hasn't played yet. It really is. People no. are already saying like, oh, Luka Doncic has played so much basketball already. It's going to be a bummer if the Kings take him that he probably won't play in summer league because he needs to rest. But then there's like, oh, well, we got Harry Giles, you know. We're gonna yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's a Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's funny. The Suns fans, um, and I'm one of them, uh, Davon Reed, who was a, who was a, the 32nd overall pick, actually a reach to a surprise. He wasn't supposed to go that high, taken by the Suns last year. And he was supposed to be a 3 and D guy who could compliment uh, Devin Booker, you know, taking Booker's uh, minutes when he's resting or, or you know, play next to Jackson, all that. Great opportunity, great promise, you know. The idea of him is was awesome, Davon Reed. He actually played, and it was just awful. He wasn't very good at all, and all of a sudden, everybody forgets the fact that they were pining for him for three months uh, while he was recovering from a knee injury. So I know what you mean. Uh, people are going to be loving the idea of Harry Giles, but if he, uh, it's almost impossible for him to live up to the idea, you know, uh, no matter what he does, unless unless he's a unicorn. And if that's if that's what happens, that's awesome. Yeah, we're, we're certainly hopeful, but I, every, I'm I'm always pumping the brakes on that because you just I mean you, he wasn't even granted he was half injured when he played for Duke, but he didn't do anything while he was there, and it's like uh, well, how much stock we're we gonna put into a guy who again, like I said, hasn't played in, in basically two years, and when he did play, didn't totally show up uh, or, or didn't. But you right, know, the was, last time the last time he produced at a high level was against high school kids. Right, and you're gonna I mean that's a Michael Porter Jr. discussion too, which is. Hopefully, neither one of us have to deal with that. I don't think, but you know, he could, he could always go number two. <laughs> oh man, how how many how many <laughs> how many suicidal fans would either of our would one of our teams have if Michael Porter Jr. was called out at one or two? <laughs> oh, it's a constant state of being nervous. I'm sure it's like that in Phoenix too. But like, oh heck yeah, I couldn't. We don't, uh, we don't trust them as far as we can throw them this run off. <laughs> this is kind of a tangent, but I was uh, I was talking to him, to some of the other Sacktown Realty guys today. And the Kings signed Nigel Hayes as a, you know, end of the year kind of 10 day contract guy. And I was like following all the Kings on Instagram, seeing who's working out this summer. Harry Giles was uh, at the Kings practice facility with Nigel Hayes. And I had the audacity to send this information to like my other Sacktown world people as if Nigel Hayes is going to be some like fixture to the future of the Kings. Like, oh, look, Nigel Hayes is still around. It's too much. That's what I'm getting at. We're, no, I know. We're talking about it here in town. Uh, the, the GM mentioned, oh, 10 or 11 guys are working out already. It's really great to yep. see how hard they're working. It's like, why would they not be? If you get free access, you're paid a ton of money. You get free access to a gym. Why would you not go there during the day? I mean, if you're not working out here in Phoenix, you're working out somewhere else. I mean, these guys don't take months off, no matter what, you know, what, what people think. Uh, but it is kind of funny. And, and you know who um, we got – the son signed Shaquille Harrison uh, to a 10 day toward the end of the year. And he had like four steals in each uh, in two of his first four games. And all of a sudden people are talking about him as the best defender on the team. He's got a potential future. The dude cannot pass. He cannot shoot. He's an athlete. That's about all he is as a basketball player. But man, Suns fans can envision 
like the next Pat Beverly out there. Well, at one point during the season, the Kings convinced themselves, I should say Kings fans convinced themselves, myself included, that Jakar Sampson is like the best LeBron, <laughs> LeBron James defender in the NBA. It's, it's, right. it's amazing what we can tell ourselves when, you know, you're losing, you know, 50 games a year. I know that's just one of the reasons I really hate Golden State fans because they, they just get to like watch wonderfulness so, every day. So spoiled, so spoiled. So spoiled and they're, oh, they're wringing their hands over any little thing and you're just like, get over yourselves. Uh, yeah, Going back to the draft a little bit, was there anything about Doncic that you saw that maybe caused him to fall behind in what seemed like a pretty close race for much of the season between him and Aiton? Like I said at the beginning, I think a lot of it is uh, tradition. Traditionally, in the NBA, the better athlete has a better chance, a better athlete who has already proven he's got the skills to play. Because you're not talking about a super athlete who can't play basketball with DeAndre Ayton. He can definitely play basketball. He'll probably be a 2010 guy as a rookie or very, very soon after that. Um, He just, you know, he kind of spaces out on defense and he doesn't have great instincts. Well, the dude has been the biggest kid, most athletic kid on the court for, you know, his whole life. So he's never had to really try. So, okay. So there's, that is, is the less you watch of these guys actually play at least Aiden, uh, the more you, you build up the Superman in your head, you know? And so of course, that's one of the reasons I think that Aiden has separated himself just by simply not playing for the last couple of months. Um, and people are forgetting about that awful Buffalo game in, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But I'll tell you what, that U of A basketball team was awful. They had no guards and they had nobody around Aiden to set him up and stuff. But you asked why, why else would uh, Doncic fall? I don't think necessarily Doncic is falling for talent reasons. I think he's falling because uh, front offices are into athlete season, right? That's why they have a draft combine and that's why they do skills and athletic measurements is so guys can shoot up the boards because the GM start drooling over what could be. Um, and Doncic is just playing, you know, and he's, he's, he's producing in a league that really doesn't have a parallel to the NBA. Yes. The Euro league is the second best league in the, in the world. Absolutely. And it's much better talent and excuse me, much better basketball than the NCAA. So yes, absolutely. That is hundred percent true, but that does not mean that most Euro league, uh, great players translate to the NBA very well. And so there's that, you know, bad taste in people's mouths of a lot of Remember, Sergio Rodriguez was supposed to take over the league. Ricky Rubio, it's, it's taken him, what, eight years to become someone that, uh, you know, Utah is excited to have on a playoff team. Mm-hmm. You know, all these these things happen with EuroLeague players is they come over here and they realize maybe their, you know, their lack of athleticism, natural athleticism doesn't translate as well. That doesn't mean he won't be great. He could be great. Bogdan, you guys have seen that firsthand. Bogdan translated very well to the NBA. He came over with much of the same concerns about athleticism. Um, you know, people were concerned when Bogdan was going into the draft, let alone three three years later, that um, he wouldn't be fast enough to stay with guys in the NBA. And he proved that uh, to be silly last year. He really is good enough to play in the NBA. In fact, he might end up being one of your better players on the Kings. So I think there's there's really good evidence that EuroLeague players on a player level can translate, but there's worry that most of them don't. It's funny you said that about Doncic because I had um, Rob Scott, <clears throat> EuroLeague guy, who was actually there watching Doncic play every night on the podcast last week. And he kind of said the same thing in terms of just Doncic has the, uh, I mean, sorry, Aiton has the luxury of, of not playing right now. 
Yeah. Whereas Doncic is kind of so kind of far so far out of the view. He's not taking meetings. He's not taking uh, workouts. He's in the middle of the playoffs right now, and it's kind of possibly hurting his draft stock. I'm just surprised sometimes that NBA executives sort of fall for for that trap. And maybe they aren't. Maybe that's just the reports that we're getting because people aren't talking about him right now because they're so focused on these guys at the combine or who are having him to workouts. Because I do ultimately expect the Kings will take Doncic number two, despite, you know, the talk now that he may be falling and that, you know, Bagley might be the guy or Porter Jr. Uh, yeah. guy. I do Excuse think the me. Kings I, will ultimately turn around and, uh, and take Doncic. I think they will too. I really do. I think if you were talking about the Atlanta Hawks um, at number two or Dallas at number two or someone, some other team like that, um, there would be a legitimate chance that they would go for the athlete over the proven commodity and Doncic. But with the Kings, you have Bogdan's success over the past year. Vlade is your GM. Um, I really do think that that's a that is a certainty that um, that Doncic will go to the Kings if he's not taken by the Suns. On that note, I do have to ask you this because the the big story in Kings Kingsland today is that Vlade Divac and Vivek Ranadive were in Madrid earlier today watching Doncic play in the ACB playoffs. You may have a very quick answer for this, or you might not even know. But did you catch anything out of Phoenix uh, that suggested they had any reps in Madrid? We're all, it's like connect the dot season, so you're always looking for sure, okay, sure. who is where. Well, the the thing is, he's playing tons of games, so right. uh, you, uh, teams can go see him anytime they want to, and sometimes they're recognized in the crowd, and sometimes they're not. Uh, generally, uh, Vlade is going to be recognized before a Ryan McDonough or oh, yeah. a Pat Connolly or any of the other guys are going to be recognized. So, um, the what we've heard out of Phoenix is that. The Suns brass um, has been to a dozen different games of his over the past eight months. And so there's nothing new to see now that they don't already know. Doncic is not playing different basketball now than he was two weeks ago in the final four of EuroLeague uh, than he was two months ago. Now he is playing different basketball than uh, better basketball than he was even in, in Euro cup last year. I forget what they call it, the European championships when he played for Slovenia because he's got a whole different role on Real Madrid, but he's had that role for about four months now on Real Madrid. So um, I don't think there's an urgency to say any, to watch any one particular game. I guarantee that the Suns will be in the stands uh, for almost all of his playoff games. One person or another will. I know in the final four, it was uh, the Friday game was two of the Suns front office guys, including the owner. And then the Sunday game was a different front office guy. And the GM himself had already been to four or five games prior, so uh, I don't. I wouldn't read anything into that. Um, I just, if a team doesn't go at all to see Doncic by the end of the playoffs, then that's a problem. I know. So, yeah, Sarver was there uh, during the Euroleague final, so I'm sure. Yeah, and, that doesn't really mean anything other than he may have been. You know, he's he's like a giving candy to a baby kind of thing. You know, uh, he might have gotten excited or disappointed <laughs> watching one game of Doncic's, and that could that could skew his entire vision of how the draft could go. Whereas a real, you know, lifer GM would actually watch more than one game anyway. So, but last season, Danny Ainge and the Celtics proved just how valuable, um, how well executed smokescreen can be. Everyone was convinced that Fultz was going number one leading into the draft. Ainge, of course, traded down, picking up more draft assets and landing the guy that he wanted anyways. I know, like you said, it seems like the Suns have settled on Ayton. But have you seen or heard anything, or do you think uh, any kind of trade here? I know, like the Carl Anthony Towns rumors that don't really seem to have any real substance behind them were fluid nope. earlier. <laughs> but anything on the Suns trading out of that pick? Um, I've only heard that it's almost extremely unlikely. Um, 
they really want one of the top two guys. I'm, I'm, I'm told that there is a little bit of split in the front office, but not as much as not as 50 50 as, as Doncic fans might want it to be, but there is a little bit of a split in the front office on who they should take number one, but there's really not much of a discussion on whether they should instead just go for a Jaron Jackson or a Marvin Bagley or anybody like that. This is, this is Ryan McDonough's last draft to get it right, man. He's had less than no 25 or fewer wins for three straight years in his third, fourth, and fifth years as GM of this team. No GM has lasted this long with this bad of a winning of a record on, on his on his resume. Um, so Ryan McDonough cannot afford to screw this up. And I wrote an article on this a couple of months ago. Um, as soon as well, maybe as a month and a half, as soon as the season ended, I said there's absolutely no way. Ryan McDonough can afford job wise uh, to not take DeAndre Ayton because you got to look at the logic. If DeAndre Ayton fails after coming in the league at 7'1, 260 with a 2010 uh-huh, and two block stat line in, the, in college and, and the Superman build, then it's not Ryan McDonough's fault. But if he takes Luka Doncic or Jaron Jackson or Marvin Bagley or trades down to get one of those guys, the, those other assets don't matter. No one's going to remember those other assets. They're going to remember that he traded away the number one pick for a guy who wasn't nearly as good and and could have failed. And the only way he would win in that scenario is if the guy he trades down for is a world beater. But McDonough's already proven in five drafts that he does not know how to pick out a world beater from the draft. So he's just got to go with, um, uh, you know, common – uh, agreement on who the top player is because you can't rely on Ryan McDonough finding the very best player. I mean, look at Josh Jackson did not turn out to be the best player in last year's top five. Um, certainly not nearly as good as uh, Jason Tatum and McDonough was maneuvering to get Josh Jackson, not to get taken by the Celtics when all along they didn't want him anyway. And then the year before uh, Marquise Chris and, and Dragon Bender were not the two best prospects they could have taken at that spot. So it goes on and on. You got Alex Lennon's first season. So McDonough cannot afford to do a trade down, trade down. But I will pose this back to you. Um, if he trades down to number two and swaps number two for uh, the Kings, you know, with the Kings, who would you take if given the choice between the two guys? I've, I want Luka Doncic. I've said that from pretty much the beginning, but I know for a fact the Kings would take DeAndre Ayton number one. They, they, they absolutely would, and I don't know what it would cost the Kings to move up, because and I'm pretty sure the Kings would be interested in doing that too, because it does seem like there's legitimate internal conflict in terms of what the Kings are going to do at number two. I don't want to say they don't know what they're doing yet, but I, I know it's been up for debate, different voices in the front office, as the Kings have always had. The Kings have always had too many voices in the front office with too much, uh, mm-hmm. too much say. And they, there has definitely been some debate as to you know who they should take it to, and that's assuming DeAndre Ayton isn't there. So if they can get to number one and take the guy that there does seem to be some consensus on, uh, they would certainly jump at that opportunity. Like we've been saying all show, it does seem like the Suns also want Ayton, so I don't know if the Kings have what the Suns want in order to, to make that jump down. Yeah, I think the only way the Suns could actually do that is if the Kings assured them somehow through blood magic or something like that, that they would take Doncic and then the Suns would still get eight in any way and an extra asset just for free. Uh, but that doesn't happen because <laughs> first of all, um, the Kings are not going to, you know, guarantee who they're going to take before a trade. They're going to want to have the choice if they're going to do this and give up any kind of assets. So uh, short of that certain reality of 
of the Suns still getting Aiden with a, a number two pick or number three pick or whatever it is, which is not ever going to happen uh, as far as a guarantee, I don't see the Suns trading out. It's funny to hear your analysis of McDonough because that is that is what I divak. That's exactly what we're dealing with. Here. <laughs> like we have that conversation every single day. Like Vlade, just take like like you were saying with Aiton being the safe pick for McDonough. This is Vlade's last draft. If if the Kings right. want to some improvement, and we're, like we're begging him, you know, just just take Doncic. That's that's the one. That's the safe face. Well, exactly uh, pick. for the same reason. Yeah. For the same reason, McDonough has to take Aiton. Yeah. Vlade has to take Doncic because he will never get vilified if Doncic went number two after Aiden went number one. Especially because he will Don- get vilified if he takes someone else. Especially Jeez. because Doncic is like Vlade's supposed to be the the Euroleague scout. He's got Peja <laughs> as his right hand man. If you can't get Luka Doncic right, then you I mean you got to go. This that's his job is is done. If if Doncic isn't the pick and he is a star somewhere else, I don't know if Vlade's. Um, ever working well, in, a, in a front office again. But Well, then that's the thing. So if Vladi doesn't take Doncic, you're, uh, if it was a good GM and he's the EuroLeague scout and all this and, and so on and so forth, well, then that probably means Doncic wasn't really worth the number two pick and, and who would know better, right? right exactly. Um, but you can't trust that with Vladi because you don't know that you have that this level of knowledge and it could just be a crapshoot because he fell in love with an athlete over – a producer, you know, I'll tell you this. I really think Luka Doncic is going to be one hell of an NBA player. I think he is going to have the same problems as a seven footer in the NBA, even though he's not nearly, obviously he's not seven foot. He's only six, eight. But if you're actually trying to create a team that can compete with a golden state or uh, a Sixers, you know, in a finals or whatever it is, well, let's not use Sixers because they've got the uh, Joel Embiid out there, but let's use, well, Let's use a team that loves to switch on defense and force you into bad match, um, mismatches and then has a lot of scorers like like Golden State does, right? Doncic is not going to be able to play any more minutes than Aiton is uh, playing defense like that because they're both going to get abused on pick and rolls for different reasons or switches, you know, for different reasons. But they're still both going to get abused. So um, what you're really doing, though, is you're taking Doncic because – He's still going to produce like crazy. He's going to he's probably going to be a guy who could have a triple double year in the NBA. Uh, he assists come much easier in the NBA rebounds. Uh, that's just if he has a nose for the ball. If you have a nose for the ball and a desire to get it, anybody can get rebounds in the NBA. Mm-hmm. There's too many guys who don't have a nose for the ball who still get still get lots. Um, and then he can score like crazy because he can score anywhere in his 30 percent three point shooting. That's going to grow. That's going to go up. He's going to be uh, at 40 or, or more in the NBA. Um, so I think he's a, going to be a hell of a player. But you can't draft based on whether this guy could play defense against the Golden State Warriors is, is kind of the point I was making but didn't make it very well earlier because that's when you talk yourself into a Jaron Jackson type uh, because he's supposedly jack of all trades. But he could just end up being another scal Willie or someone else like that who just doesn't pan out in the NBA even though he was athletic. And uh, and nobody, I mean, nobody can really defend the Golden State War. Like, no one player is going to uh, is going to stop that team. So that's what I keep hearing yeah. Suns fans saying: you can't take Aiton because he can't defend against the Golden State Warriors. Well, nobody can. Right. You're going to have to wait for that team to. to well, by the time the Kings or the Suns are uh, in that <laughs> conversation, the Golden State Warriors won't be an issue anymore. I hope. I hope they're not still I, together. Yeah. But I, I couldn't have a Phoenix Suns writer on the podcast without revisiting the 2016 draft day trade. 
uh, where the Kings sent the number eight pick, which would become you Marcus win, Chris. You win, we To the Suns for, for 13th pick, Yorgos Papianas, 28th pick, Scott LeBissier, and the rights to Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, and a second rounder in 2020, I think it is. At the time, the Kings were hoping one of the top guards, like Jamal Murray or Buddy Hield or Chris Dunn, would fall. They didn't, uh, so they made the trade with the Suns. What are your thoughts on that deal two years later now? <laughs> My thoughts is you're, you're, uh, you are guys are very fortunate that Bogdan was included in that, tra- in that trade because that is really the only real positive, I think. Scal has had flashes, but he doesn't look like a future star. Um, uh, Papa John's is, is out of the league, isn't he, right now? Uh, yeah, he lasted about a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you had to have Bogdan to win that trade, but the problem is – both teams are losers without Bogdan. I mean, the Suns lost too. They they took Marquise Chris, who is who's who has become a space cadet who can't play. He's basically the absolute worst version of Jaron Jackson you could possibly want. Um, so uh, that's why one of the reasons I wouldn't take a Jaron Jackson because um, Marquise Chris kind of fit a similar profile in, in college. Fouled a lot, got uh, reportedly quote unquote misused, didn't get maximized, has great feet, could do just about anything can make three-pointers, can rebound. All that stuff was true of Marquise Chris, too, and he turned out to be just a guy who can't play basketball. So I think both of us are losers, except you guys absolutely won over Bogdan, and I always miss that guy. I, I loved the idea of him coming over to the Suns, and I was really, really bummed when he didn't. Yeah, that is uh, that has kind of lot of saving grace, that trade. It's the only trade I think he's won. I could be being a little too hard on him. And I only say one because, like you said, Bogdan. And then with, with a guy like that where you're trading for, like, draft rights, you never know if he was the the part of the deal or kind of just the throw-in part of the deal when you don't know if he's going to right. go over or not. <laughs> so you don't know how much credit to actually give Lotte. Was it that has like, to be scary that his yeah. his his main piece was uh, Papa John's, right? Yeah, it's kind of like when, uh, you know um, – when Memphis traded Pagasol for Marcusol, and it's like, oh, it was such a great trade. Well, Marcus, like, what are the odds of Marcusol is going to pan out and, and be that right? Player? Right. Um, so you don't you don't know how much credit to give Lottie for Bogdan there, but if it did work out for the Kings, I think they would uh, they would certainly do that trade again. Oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, I was going to even suggest, but of course, you're going to laugh in my face. But if you guys promise to take Doncic at number one, I'd be happy to give it to you if you give me uh, Bogdan. See, Vlade may do that. <laughs> I am not the GM. I, I wouldn't because I, I still like Doncic. Uh, I would take Doncic at two gladly and just and live with, with that outcome. Right, exactly. Um, You'd call my bluff. Yeah. But, hey, if you want to give me Bogdan back uh, and you promise under blood, you know, <laughs> blood promise that you're going to take Doncic, I'll do it. Uh, no, no deal. No deal. This <laughs> Well, as someone who has also had to cover a team that has been pretty depressing over the last several years, I hope uh, I hope both of us will have more local NBA fun um, sooner than later. Well, we're already having more fun now with our number one and number two picks. So, uh, you know, let's it, what could possibly go wrong after this, right? We have at least a good three weeks ahead of us after that. You know, <laughs> who knows? Um, all right, Dave, why don't you tell people where they can find you? All right. I am uh, on Twitter at Dave King NBA. I am on the web at brightsideofthesun.com. We have a great stable of writers, just like you guys do. Um, Sacktown Royalty has always impressed me with your coverage. Love you guys. And, uh, you know, we only, uh, we, we're all in this together and uh, we can only support each other as we go back to the playoffs and run Golden State off into the sunset. That'd be awesome. Uh, totally agree. I appreciate you jumping on the podcast and I hope you have a great night. Thanks. Pretty boy, it's waiting there for you. 
dogs cry out in the night as they grow restless, longing for some solitary company. I know that I must do what's right, sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the Serengeti. I seek to cure what's deep inside. Frightened of this thing that I've become Gonna take the light to drag me away from you There's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do I guess the rain's down in Africa We're gonna take some time to do the things we never did I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.